Welcome to The Digital Well, a podcast by Blaine Moore. Being digital in financial services today means many things to many people, and I intend to explore that here. To ask a question or submit a comment to The Digital Well, simply find me on Twitter at Blano, B-L-A-N-O, or go to thedigitalwell.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope to hear from you soon. Hosting and bandwidth and the PowerPress plugin for podcasting on your WordPress website are provided by Blueberry, found at blubrry.com. Additional Digital Well sponsors include Message Watcher, a modern email and social media archiving platform. Find out more at www.messagewatcher.com. And also, don't miss out on Grant Street Creatives, Creative Retainers, and Design Assistance for websites, search engine optimization, and any of your creative design needs. Find them at grantstreetcreative.com. Welcome back to the Digital Well, everyone. I'm Blaine Warren, and today I have the pleasure of having Todd Cohen on from MobileGuard, founded and run by Todd and his team in New York City. Uh, founded in 09, so there's a little similarity we have because that's when our Kobe started as well back in the day. That seems like dog years now uh, in the terms of uh, archiving and compliance and financial services and beyond. And Todd joins us with uh, a mobile guard story that talks about text message archiving, which, as he'll explain shortly, uh, has not been an easy task through the years. But it is, I, I hesitate to say it, but it's getting easier to do because the technology continues to evolve, just like we've seen in other segments. So, Todd, welcome to the Digital Well. Good morning, Blaine. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, can you give us a little background on on Mobile Guard and kind of where it emerged from? What what was the event that caused you to say, "Hey, this is a great idea to tackle this"? And and how far you've come? Well, it originated as a company called TextGuard, um, primarily for consumers. Uh, back in, like you said, 2008, 2009, and quickly we realized the opportunity in enterprise services um, capturing uh, text messaging since there really wasn't any solution to do it at the time. So when it was initially founded, it was founded, believe it or not, with a client-based, um, with a Windows-based trio, which is funny, um, and that lasted a short while until BlackBerry entered the scene, and most financial services companies had Blackberries uh, with their BlackBerry Enterprise server running throughout the enterprise. So a lot of the text messages were captured through BlackBerry Enterprise Server as well as um, with the Windows Trio. But as you know, few companies had uh, Windows-based Trio devices. Um, and then we, we quickly realized the need and we 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 rebuilt the entire platform uh, primarily for enterprise services, and I think now probably our business is five five percent consumer and ninety five percent enterprise based services. Um, well, that's a, that's an interesting place to start because it's funny that you mentioned the trio because I I remember getting one of those. Uh, a little piece of trivia about me: I was actually in the initial beta test of the BlackBerry Messenger back in 99 in Atlanta, the pager, uh, where it, it sent and distributed messages. It was uh, an intriguing thing to play with, and they were actually giving it to consumers uh, at the time, you know, and, and just getting it in people's hands. And so it was extraordinary to go from that to getting my first BlackBerry on the job and then ultimately also, you know, seeing what it was capable of, but really fast forward to, to 07 and 10, right? The iPhone and, and the iPad, and it changed everything at that point. 
Um, my understanding is initially with text message archiving, you had to tackle that with an app, right? You had to do something to install something on the device to, to try and solve the problem. Is that the case? Yeah, initially it was an application. Like I said, initially it was the Microsoft, and then we moved into a, a BlackBerry client since it did some things that the Bez didn't do. So it was a little bit more uh, real-time, a little more dynamic. There was other features and functionality in the BlackBerry client where you use the BlackBerry Enterprise server to push it out. But we have a very large financial server that was using the logs on the Bez, but it just didn't meet the needs that they were looking for. So they... Um, our licenses to install on each BlackBerry device. So you know, over 20,000 devices have our client running running on the BlackBerry. In fact, still today, since they haven't moved over to Apple yet. Right. And so there's, even though I know we're going to talk in a moment about how this is going up to the network layer in many cases where you can do more uh, and cover more devices, but that's still really a, a key driver today, right? There's still a lot of use cases or scenarios where companies need to put an application on a device uh, to achieve their compliance. So that's not necessarily something that's going away. That's just that that's how it evolved from the beginning. But it sounds like now there's also the ability to move to the network, right? I, I interpret that as I look at how social media can be archived. There's a couple of different ways to do it. But one of the cleanest ways to do it is to go straight to the social network and integrate with them so that whatever hits the social network can hit your archive. It sounds like you've done this on the mobile guard front uh, with some of the carriers. We have, and some of our large financial services firms, as you know, have offices around the globe. You know, one particular customer of ours has 18 different operators. So as we move towards, you know, being a global SMS aggregator and such that we're capturing all the text messages from the operators, there will always be operators that we're not connected to. I mean, you know, in an ideal situation, we'll be connected to every operator in the world, but we know that's not likely to happen. So the client solution will, or the client application on the device will always be, always need to be uh, present as an option for the, for the customer. And I know there's a lot of different avenues you can go down with that, right? Because large enterprises often use tools called mobile device managers. MDM is the slang we use or the, the short name for it. Uh, but that's how they manage that process, right? What, what, what my understanding is what was messy initially is you would install a, a, an app to achieve this compliance on a device, and then the user could just simply remove the app. Um, and so companies obviously started to leverage tools like Good Technology or Mobile Iron or other mobile device managers to, to control uh, and lock down those devices. Yeah, I think MDM uh, companies came onto the scene about the same time we did. So we had some um, procedures in place that would prohibit the user from deleting the application. And then we would have another backup safety net that we used uh, that we would ping the device with a ping and talk to the server randomly every few minutes just to make sure that that application was, in fact, running. And if it wasn't, it would send an alert to you know, a compliance administrator. So that's probably been one of our biggest concerns since what we do is, as far as capturing SMS as well as capturing everything else isn't something that every employee is looking forward to, right? So it's um, so we're, we're concerned that not necessarily we're looking for somebody that wants to do something nefarious or malicious. They just maybe it stopped working and that, that compliance, well, they might not know that it's not working, not that they um, purposely deleted it. It's just that there's a compliance hole there and we, we're trying to keep people from getting in trouble. We, we don't we're not looking to see people out that are doing something criminal. Uh, we're just trying to keep them from getting themselves in trouble. 
No, that's that's a really good interpretation of that. And in fact, you know, that's still something even after all these years of being regulated in the industry, you still have folks that are uncomfortable, right, with the, the fact that, you know, everything needs to be supervised and reviewed. But increasingly, uh, the electronic age, you know, we can communicate through so many channels. Companies are moving to make sure that they can monitor just about everything that's outbound and inbound. And again, as you say, I agree, it's not necessarily just simply looking for crime or fraud. That's certainly a component in what the regulators seek to, to prevent. But it's also just to put guardrails up, right, to make sure we stay inside the lines when it comes to the regulations. There's room right. for interpretation. Uh, we want to make sure that we can help people interpret them the right way. So it's pretty pretty powerful. Now, there, there's qu quite a lot going on. Um, one of the things that stunned me when I looked at, at volumes is, you know, the conventional wisdom says there's a move away from email. There's a move away from traditional texting. Uh, folks are using social channels and other apps and chat tools to communicate. But when you look at the numbers, that is just not the case in the business world. In fact, year over year, business email volume grows, uh, including this year. And text messaging outnumbers social networks. For example, text messaging outnumbers tweets in the tens of thousands per second as far as uh, higher volume. So this is not going away, right? Text messaging is only going to become even more saturated in the industries if they can figure out how to govern it. Absolutely. No, and it's just it's a convenient way to communicate both in our daily lives and, as you know, our daily lives spill over into our business lives. And it's just a convenient way to, to communicate with each other, both business and personal. And that's one of the shifts that I've watched. Uh, you know, I've talked about of this a lot on the podcast when it comes specifically to social media is that there is no way unlike any other technology before to not converge your personal and professional, right? You can't have two accounts at every social network and you can't deny people from connecting with you and try to get them to go to a different network to connect with you. The, the inconvenience level is off the charts and folks usually surrender and say, I'm just going to deal with it. Uh, I've got a personal and professional life that's merged and now that kind of, I guess you could say culture or society is becoming much more comfortable with text messaging as a primary channel to communicate, right? Some folks used to say, gosh, that's rude. I want to pick up the phone and call. But now it's like mm -hmm. I, I can get my message to this person quickly, whether they're a customer, a partner, or a coworker. As it becomes more acceptable, are you seeing companies that in the past have said to you, you know, we will never have text messaging in this business and now they're coming back to you with questions about policy and, and how to archive. Are you, are you seeing that turnabout? Yes, we have. Absolutely. Not, not sure if the impetus was caused by, you know, perhaps a FINRA auditor asking to see, you know, all of their electronic communication, which as you know, SMS is a big part of that. Um, or it's just that, you know, their, you know, their, their fellow competitor just, installed 22,000 licenses and, you know, their, their registered reps are now able to text and they can't. So it's a bit of an unfair advantage to, uh, to them. No, absolutely. Now, if we fast forward to now in the post iPhone era, right, where iPhones are now being seen much more commonly uh, in large enterprises, uh, and I don't want to shortchange Android, I should say that, you know, smartphones in general that aren't Blackberries are becoming a lot more prevalent uh, in large organizations around the world. How has that 
how does that change the demand, right? Because not every uh, device can easily be integrated with or tapped, right? There are, com- there are pieces of devices that just will never be opened potentially uh, by their manufacturers, uh, iMessage and Apple or Android and a particular component of Android. So you recently went to that network level with some carriers and you can now, if my understanding is correct, you can natively archive SMS and MMS from just about any device. Basically, if you can plug it into the network, it can be archived. Correct. Yeah, you had mentioned before, I know, uh, inviting people to be part of another network, uh, social network or having them, you know, use an, a, a different application that they need to open up to communicate with. It's not, you know, it's not practical in the sense of, you know, if you speak about FINRA and, and the SEC, um, the, the ideal way is the, the least amount of user, uh, you know, the, the same user experience. And that's what I think difference, difference, uh, differentiates MobileGuard is that it's the native SMS which we capture. So it's not, there's no need to open up another application. There's no need for a virtual number. Um, user experience remains the same. Their button's still on their phone. Um, if they did, in fact, have to install another, uh, what we call an over-the-top application, a chat application, similar to, say, like a WhatsApp or a Skype, um, they would have to uh, essentially disconnect their native SMS and their native voice in order to be compliant. Because as a user experience, if you think about using your phone to pick up, I mean, the first thing you're going to do is click that little messages button at the bottom on your iPhone to send that message. If you're having an over-the-top application as your compliance tool and you're not capturing your native SMS messages, that's just cause for a uh, margin for error, we think. So, yeah, we actually capture the SMS, the, the, the native SMS message um, through the network at, at the operator level. And that's pretty powerful because, again, there is a, a much easier threshold for a very large enterprise. When you start talking about thousands of phones, instead of having to push out an app and manage a policy on all these devices to control a particular app that could be used, in fact, the phone can just simply be activated and, and activated for archiving, and they can use the native apps on that device, right? So obviously that's, I'm sure, most popular with the iPhone or with the premium Android phones out there like the Samsung phones and, and some of the others that you're seeing more and more in the hands of, of workers in the corporate world, I would think that that's uh, very compelling. Now, on that front, how does what, what are some of the trends you're seeing uh, with the bring your own device to work, right? So how, how do you get over that threshold with companies who are trying to put a policy together? Is it most effective for a company to align with a carrier and put all phones in an enterprise plan, I would assume, is a much cleaner process for a company who's trying to tackle governance with text messaging than it is to try to lasso together many phones from many carriers? Um, yeah, the BYOD is is still a bit of a challenge. Um, I'd say most of our customers, are their company-owned devices, um, there's privacy concerns. We do. We have in the past. We've built some functionality for some customers, which allows them to whitelist particular numbers that aren't captured and monitored. Um, but like I, I said, most of our customers are are company-owned devices and uh, not BYOD. Right. Well, and and that I think what we're seeing, at least what I see from 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 my days in the '90s as a CIO till now, is that you know. Co- we, 
companies realized how easy it was to deploy a thousand Blackberries and manage them, know where they are, know, know how to update them, know how to control them. I think the, the BYOD was a response from, from workers who were trying to drag their companies, you know, into the modern era, right? Because it's hard to change once you have something effective in place. And BlackBerry just simply didn't keep up. That was a challenge that many companies faced. And we may see that companies are willing to circle back, right, and go back to that company-owned devices, except that they'll adopt and allow choices when it comes to phones that workers can choose. I know I've seen that myself in some organizations that I've worked with where, you know, you have a nice little a la carte menu when you walk in. We use Verizon or we use AT&T, and here are the five phones you can pick from. There's a BlackBerry, a Windows phone, a a Samsung Galaxy S5 and, a, you know, an iPhone 6 on the menu. What do you want? You'll get a number and a device. Uh, it, it, may, it, it may be that that trend just tails back to company-owned devices as companies unlock how to do this. Now, on the MobileGuard front, when it comes to compliance, um, what, what kind of changes have you seen uh, in the past couple of years? Uh, you know, I, I watch it on the social media side of the fence. Um, where you've seen, you know, the regulators kind of be sort of broad and vague because they wanted time to investigate uh, and really study how social media is being used and could be used in financial services. Text messaging is one of the last bastions, right? It's kind of the, even though it's been around longer than, than, uh, than, than social media, it's kind of the last electronics medium to start getting adopted formally in financial services, what kind of trends are you seeing on that front? We are. I mean, over the years, we've seen more and more people, and like you mentioned earlier, asked about previous people that we had spoken to in the past. Large enterprises weren't interested at the time; they were just fishing around for information. Now, you know, two, three, four years later, we're in pilots with a lot of the large financial services firms because they understand the need. And again, I don't know if it's necessarily because of a certain instance that happened where a particular auditor might have asked for it. But uh, one of the things that I've seen in the industry is when something isn't necessarily regulated, it's it's not because it's perhaps doing something illegal. It's there might not be a solution involved or, or might not be a solution available today in order to monitor something. So I don't think the regulators quite know what to do. So I think there's, um, you know, there's, there's still a, a bit of learning out there in the industry. I remember from uh, mobile call recording in the United Kingdom, they kept pushing out that uh, – that regulatory requirement every six months they push it out again because there wasn't a solution in place. Um, you had mentioned text messages on yes, text messages definitely on the rise, but and we also feel strongly about um, mobile call recording, um, capturing the actual conversation that happens on a mobile device, which we have working with some operators currently in order to facilitate that solution. So that that's actually a good transition to the kind of the last area I wanted to cover which is the fact that it, we, we've even mentioned it, both of us, in this conversation, right? There's, there's email, there's social, there's text. You just mentioned mobile calls. So, you know, traditionally, for example, in financial services companies, you know, the, phone, the, 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 the desk phone, you pick up the desk phone and start servicing a customer, and there's a recording going on there for compliance purposes and for quality control potentially or training but now we're talking about doing work, and, and, and this is a common theme that I like to cover, which is how, you know, rather than being mobile, it's being portable, right? Our businesses are portable. We do business in airports and Starbucks and 
wherever else we're sitting with our tablets and our phones. And if that means we're doing more work over those new channels, your challenge, I would assume, is you have to figure out how to get all of those things in one dashboard, right? Email, social, text, mobile call recording, and then provide some semblance of an understanding of how they're related and how companies can supervise them. Right. Well, emails, as we know, aren't necessarily the way an, e- you know, an email server works. is not necessarily a mobile um, solution, but it's no coincidence that the company moved from TextGuard to MobileGuard in that you know, initially we were just capturing text messages. Now it's, it's, everything, it's everything mobile or it's just everything because I think the, the workforce now, very large percentage of the day, we are, like you said, we are mobile or, or we are remote. Um, so to have one unified solution that captures everything and provides it to the user in a nice readable format, cross-platform, all communication channels, easily searchable, easily supervised – is where MobileGuard is moving today. So we'll probably be the only company that, or we are the only company for sure, that can capture mobile call according to the network. So we add that to our emails and monitoring websites, instant messages, Bloomberg, social media, um, and obviously text. We have a complete unified solution, which is not on the market currently. Um, where has anybody um, been successful at providing this, this solution? That's very powerful stuff, and and I think you know what's pretty compelling about it is that a company with fifty phones can call you. A company with five thousand or fifty thousand phones can call you, and that same solution is achievable at each of those tiers. And I think that's pretty key. I can't remember who said it. It might have been Clay Shirky who said, you know, once technology becomes boring, that's when it's truly arrived. Right. When it doesn't matter how big or small you are, if you just want to uh, adopt something and make it happen, that's when it's arrived is when you don't have to think about it. And I think that's pretty compelling as to what you can do for for companies of all sizes. Right. It's just here. Click here um, and add the channels that you use uh, and start start performing your governance. That's excellent. So where's MobileGuard going to be this year over the summer? Any events that we can find you at or any place to, where you'll be taking a road show? We will be at the upcoming compliance events. Uh, I believe there's one this spring in Washington, D.C. at the FINRA compliance. Um, it's a three-day compliance event. And then there's the National Association for Compliance Professionals, I believe, in Virginia in the fall and a few in between. Outstanding. Well, I'll put in the show notes, as I always do, some links so folks can find you the old-fashioned way by clicking. And I believe the Twitter handle is MobileGuardNYC. And Todd, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on the Digital Welcome. Excellent, and I appreciate it. Thank you, Blaine, for having us. Thanks for listening to the Digital Well, a podcast by Blaine Warren. To ask a question or submit some feedback, you can find me on Twitter at Blaino, B-L-A-N-O. Or you can go to thedigitalwell.com, where you can also subscribe to be sure you don't miss an episode. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, and we do hope to hear from you soon.